May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in thy sight, O God. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? asks the skeptic. This is utter nonsense, he might have added. What an idiot, he might have said. For the skeptics that misunderstood or scoffed at, perhaps feared the message that Jesus was giving, skeptics whom the Johannine community unhelpfully labels as the Jews, but that's a whole other sermon, For these skeptics, here is this preacher from Nazareth who is clearly making nonsense. His argument is weak and can be blown down with a a gentle breeze, like a straw man. Obviously, Jesus cannot give his flesh. He's still alive. Besides, people don't eat human flesh. And Jews would never touch blood in the way that they think Jesus is describing. To do so would be abhorrent in keeping up with the law of God. But this is a knowing irony. We know that Jesus will later surrender his body to sacrifice on the cross. And we know that his offer of flesh and blood is significant. But those present in this passage have no clue what is really going on. Johann Butler suggests that these skeptics that are arguing are trying to argue this earlier point that we didn't read about today, but it's a point that Jesus never actually makes. Yes, Jesus relates his surrender to the bread of life, and he did equate this bread to his flesh, but he never specifically asks anyone to eat his flesh in a physical sense. Essentially, our reading today is Jesus saying to the skeptics, fine, if you need to think about it that way, then yes, you have to consume my flesh and my blood to receive eternal life. So why is Jesus in conflict with these skeptics? In our passage, Jesus is in the base of his operations, in Capernaum. He is comfortable. He's regularly teaching and preaching. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he's telling the people who he is and how he relates to the Father, and he's preparing their understanding ahead of his sacrifice on the cross in Jerusalem. So like the Johannine community that wrote this, this gospel, we know that Christ is meant for the cross, but we are still discerning what Jesus's full and perfect sacrifice means for us. Even today, we have full theologies that attempt to make uh, sense of what Christ's sacrifice means for us and how we're supposed to live into that. And yet, Christ's death and resurrection escapes any kind of tidy global explanation. There is no unifying theory of resurrection. 
And so inevitably, it means something different for each and every one of us as we discern our relationship to God and to Christ and to the kingdom. I believe that we are hardwired to seek out and marvel at the divine and the mysterious. Even if we claim to have no faith, I believe that we are drawn to witness to those liminal spaces that are constantly around us, seeing the divine in the ordinary parts of life that we just walk through every day, where we tread on those holy ground burning bush moments. And if we're lucky, we can stop and reflect and take note of them. I would also like to note to Ron that I have satisfied the canonical requirement to use, for all seminarians, to use the term liminal space in a seminary that you give at your home parish. <laughs> Tell the bishop. All right. As a young person in the church, and as a former youth minister here, I am increasingly worried about those um, of my generation, younger, older, just those who uh, are skeptical about the church. They hear terrible things about the, in the news and, and around town, uh, coming from people who use God's will or scripture as their reason and justification to hate other human beings. We see bigotry, racism, sexism. We see hatred carried out in God's name. We hear about church leaders who have let us down or failed in their attempt to live godly lives. We have this skeptical time that we just live in. And I'm worried about the disenfranchised people who who are increasingly forgetting that they need to practice their spirituality within community. You can't just go it alone. We all need each other. That's why we're all gathered here today. Yet there are plenty out there who do not have a community to journey with. They have been let down by representations of Christianity that are unpeeling. I find them unappealing, and part of me does not blame them for their apathy. However, this also empowers me to be a better evangelist. I want people to join me on my journey because I need help. And I'm willing to bet that they need help too. And whether you are here today out of an earnest love for God, for a need of strength and renewal, force of habit, a sense of community, or whether you're struggling to find your place within your own faith journey, then I want you to know that we are here for you and that we're here with you. So, I challenge you today, this week, in the weeks to come, I challenge you to feed someone's soul in your life. Whether that's being a role model or having a conversation with someone about belief, 
encouraging someone to go to the community that they feel most connected to. Maybe invite them here. In every person, I want us to see the Imago Dei, the image of God in which we were all created. Humanity, I believe, is the result of the overflow of the abundance of the love of God. So help them find that in some small way as you go along. Jesus dealt with people who were skeptical about his own divinity within the divine order. But we are challenged by skeptics who doubt the divine order itself and their place within the world itself. When we take part in the bread and the wine here in a moment, we recall that the risen Lord draws us to his eternal sacrifice at every gathering of the Eucharist. Our life is called to a complete transformation into the life of Christ. As we consume the Eucharist, the Eucharist is meant to consume us. Our life becomes the life of Christ. Our pleasures and desires are transformed into the Lord's pleasures and desires. Our hopes and dreams are shaped by God's dreams. Our vision becomes Christ's vision. Our heart becomes the very heart of Jesus, loving all humanity with a passion that also becomes a divine passion within us. The Eucharist calls us to a life of solidarity a solidarity that is a connection and a commitment to the common good. It is a vision of justice that embraces all people. Amen.